Any examples used are for illustrative purposes only and do not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and may not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to predict the performance of any specific investment and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. Welcome to Retire 360 with your host, Dwight Mejan. Dwight is a licensed fiduciary and financial advisor who always places your needs first. Dwight works hard each day to educate Americans like you on how to reach the financial freedom they've worked so hard for, and he can help you too. So now, let's start the show. Here's Dwight Mejan. Hey, we want to welcome our listeners back uh, to the Retire 360 show brought to you by 360 Capital Management. I'm one of your hosts, uh, Dwight Mejan. Uh, next to me is Mitchell Kaiser and Sam Davis, our executive producer. Guys, we, uh, we, we decided uh, against good judgment or with good judgment not to bring the horror stories the week of Halloween um, of the, the retirement mistakes that people make because we didn't want to drive our listeners away. So we are refraining. Many of you will be happy to know from giving you um, all the big mistakes that people have made and have caused nightmares for some of uh, our listeners uh, or maybe not listeners, but people who uh, have made mistakes with their money. This show is about helping you win with your money. So we've changed course. And we're going to keep it positive today for the most part. We want to give you good information and help you make wise choices with your money. That's what this show is all about. But hey, we're glad that you are with us. If you're driving today, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we've got a good show. We're going to hop pretty much right in here, but we want to let you know who we are. Um, we just want to welcome you to the show. And just a shout out to our, our listeners in the western part of the state, uh, in the Watauga County area and the Moore County area here where we're broadcasting from today. Um, anytime during the show, uh, reach out to us. Uh, you can leave us a message. Uh, you can go to our website, retire360show.com. Uh, if you want to dive deeper or have questions on your specific situation, we welcome calls from our listeners, of course. Uh, if you're in that western part of the state, our number 828-278-7814. In Moore County, we're 910-235-0812. If you want to check out some of our podcasts uh, from previous episodes, uh, you can go wherever you download podcasts and just type in Retire360. And we also have a YouTube channel. You can check us out there. And we also have a Facebook and an Instagram account. So if you want to learn more about us, uh, go to those social media places and uh, check us out. But guys, how are we doing today, Sam and Mitchell? Mitchell here. Uh, I'm doing well. I will say uh, this past week has been a a uh, treacherous uh, gust of cold that uh, we were not used to. It brings me back to my Pennsylvania days, but uh, I'm good. Uh, I've been busy with helping people with their Medicare Advantage plans. We're going to talk about that here just in a I can vouch minutes, for that, but... that Mitchell has been very busy because the phones have been ringing off the hook. So uh, oh, yeah, it's, keep uh, them coming. Mitchell likes job security, don't you, Mitchell? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure helping you folks, and there's always... Uh, areas of improvement. So I like educating people as we do on here and meeting with people face to face. It's been a good time. But oh. how are you doing, Sam? I'm doing well. We have a cold front that has kind of whipped through the south. I'm down here in Atlanta and the fall colors are looking great, pressing through towards the holiday season. Before you know it, it's going to be Thanksgiving and then Christmas and then a happy new year. So we're carrying on and excited to bring some more important information to all the listeners today. Yeah. Well, great. Yeah. We 
We are glad uh, folks are tuning in. And of course, our, uh, our faithful listeners, thanks for being a part of this show regularly. It's an honor uh, to broadcast to you. And, and much of the content, as I like to remind our listeners, is shaped by your call-ins and shaped by some of your comments and questions when you log into the various places that you communicate with us. So keep those questions coming, keep the calls coming. And thanks for the topics uh, that we're going to talk about, uh, some of which today we're going to discuss on the show. But Mitchell, you've got a couple updates before we dive right into the financial side. We're going to kind of stay camped out here for just a few minutes on the insurance part because it's an important enrollment season, otherwise known as AEP, annual enrollment period. And you've got some great reminders for our listeners. But just, uh, Mitchell, just start out letting people know the deadlines here. Um, Many people need to be reminded on that. Yeah, so if you guys don't know, if you haven't been listening to us, uh, the deadline is from October 15th to December 7th. What that is, it's a time when you should be evaluating your Medicare plan, whether that's a, a Medicare supplement or a Medicare Advantage plan. It's always good just to keep your options open and to know what you have. Uh, I'll say we've I've met with a slew of people this year that were on uh, supplements. And no, this is not supplement season. You do not have to change a supplement now. But it was a good time for them to switch to an Advantage plan. Uh, I'll tell you one couple that I met with this past week. Uh, they were paying over $10,000 in premiums for their Medicare supplement. And the maximum out-of-pocket in the healthcare plan that they chose with an Advantage plan is $2,900 each. So that's about uh, yeah, like $5,800 together. So even if they had the worst year ever, they're still going to be net saving over $4,000. That's a, Mitchell, that's, that's a, a, serious that's a lot of move. medical care though, too, based on, I don't know the plans like you do, but there's a lot of, um, you know, there's small cost sharing in there and hospitalizations tend to drive up a little bit of the sharing, but uh, there, there's a lot of medical out-of-pocket costs to hit that, right? Oh, absolutely. We have a couple hundred people that I know we've switched over just the past couple of years. And uh, I mean, I, I haven't heard of anybody coming anywhere near a maximum out of pocket. We've had clients that have had pretty bad years and they're still, you know, I, we've, they're still not more than a thousand or a couple thousand dollars. And that's, you know, in a really bad, uh, a really bad year. Mm-hmm. So. Well, good. Well, I know there's some, uh, also opportunities for people if they're not careful to, uh, you know, get some bad information or worse yet, um, you know, run into some problems where they get scammed or frauded. So maybe just a couple of yep. reminders to people with that. Yeah. So uh, you guys want to be aware of unsolicited contacts. So that could be a phone call, an email, a door-to-door visit. Uh, I know I've had clients tell me that people have uh, claimed to be a part of our office and have tried to get some of their personal information over the phone. Um, those calls, just so you're all aware, if somebody is an actual Medicare representative like myself, technically, if they're selling you over the phone, they have to read you a whole list of disclosures. And unless they're doing that, then it's probably a scam and I'd hang up the phone. Um, We also, whenever I have a meeting with a client, they usually bring out a whole big long list of mail that they've got because they thought it was something from Medicare. And more than likely, it was just just marketing spam or marketing solicitations. Uh, Also, just another reminder for you folks, protect your Medicare card. Uh, Nobody is ever going to be asking you what your Medicare number is over the phone. Um, Maybe you'll feel safe to do that if you know the person, but I'll tell you my rule of thumb, even when people call in off the radio, uh, because I've had people call off the radio and they uh, have asked for me to just do everything over the phone. And I prefer not to do that. I think it's good that you can lay eyes on somebody that they can see, 
Uh, Mitchell is a real person. Uh, here's where I need to go. If I have uh, questions or if I need help and I'm unable to reach somebody. I think there's a lot just in being able to meet with a physical person. I know all this AI stuff, all this technology is pushing us all away from meeting in person, but I still think it's pretty powerful to sit down and meet with somebody or to have a specific person that can help you navigate through these waters. Because one thing I can guarantee you is that everybody to some degree is confused. And this stuff's confusing. I mean, I do this for a living. I have a degree in healthcare, fully insurance licensed, and I still think this stuff can be confusing. So if I'm confused and I can find this stuff confusing, I know everybody else could be, you know, feel clueless on certain topics of their healthcare. So well, and I've said it you, Mitchell, to what you're to your point that I've said this for decades, uh, having started in the insurance side of the business, that your insurance coverage is oftentimes only, is as good as the advice that comes along with it, meaning the agent who you're working with. So that trusted advisor, you know, we're talking in the area of, you know, avoiding being scammed or taken advantage of, you know, just make sure you're, you're dealing with somebody that you trust, make sure they're a fiduciary. Uh, lots of agents out there just sell this from a one or two company, you know, perspective, but make sure that someone's working and have a lot of, um, you know, companies that they're registered with. Uh, you can actually check that out through your, through the local um, Department of Insurance website. They'll, you know, you can go there, look up a rep and see the carriers that they're licensed with. So just another way to check. Yep. Good tip. Yep. So Mitchell, are we going to jump into the uh, financial part? Is there anything else you wanted to add to the, the Medicare side? Or I'm going to jump in here right on our financial. No, I just encourage our listeners that uh, there's no stupid question revolved around your Medicare. And I'd be happy to take a couple minutes or to set up an appointment. Uh, again, if that's something that's of interest to you, give us a call at 910-235-0812. Or if you're in the Boone uh, area, you can call us at 828 278 7814. And Dwight, before you hop into this next segment, I do just want to remind our listeners that we, we do have uh, our next educational event coming up in Boone, and that is going to be at Appalachian State University. And the date on that is going to be November 27th, which is the Monday after Thanksgiving. We are going to be doing a 10 o'clock class in the morning and a 1 p.m. class. If you guys are interested in attending that event, uh, give us a call at our uh, Boone office and we can make sure that you guys have a seat reserved. And that office number again is 828-278-7814. And if you have any further questions, perhaps on what we're talking about or uh, certain things that we may or may not go over, feel free to give us a call and we'll give you the information you need. Yep. Look forward to seeing many of our listeners there. It's always fun to meet our listeners in person. So Thanks for sharing that news, Mitchell. And we're going to dive in. Last week, we were talking about, um, you know, income guarantees and, and streams of income and pensions. And we're going to get into a specific example here in a moment. But what Mitchell and I wanted to do to kick off this segment is just we've been talking about, you know, guaranteed income and just how people today are demanding that. We went to just find our team pulled up just some recent articles that you can find in reference on this. Uh, you're on your own, and we'll give you the source of where this came, where these came from. Uh, but if you don't think having a personal pension is important, just try look at what happens when you start taking it away from people. And we're seeing that now with a lot of different sectors of the economy. And to give you the first one here, just to kick it off, the Teamsters Union. This is in the Wall Street Journal of 2023. 
Uh, Teamsters Union is threatening a strike against trucking giant Yellow after the company missed health care and pension payments. Well, there's one article right there. Mitchell, you got another one. We're just going to whip through some of these. Yep. And the next one I have for you guys is from NPR. And uh, you guys have heard that auto workers used to have lifelong health care and pension income, and uh, they want it back. And I can add to that personally uh, and can tell you. So my father uh, retired. Uh, he was a union teacher, and they have a union up there in Pennsylvania. And they negotiated uh, lifelong health care for him. So I know he has that for the rest of his life. But my mother, who started a couple years after he did, they stopped it. So a lot of the benefits I know even he had had, they no longer have. And I know starting teachers uh, don't have the benefits that teachers, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago have. I mean, they're slowly chopping all that down. Mm -hmm. Well, absolutely. Well, it's not just happening here in this country. Uh, garbage piles up as French strike nationwide over a pension change. And that was in a PBS uh, article uh, this year. So, you know, worldwide, it's not just here in the United States, but there's global issues going on. And people, um, it's something to be said about people wanting those guarantees. Uh, what's yep. the next one, Mitchell, we got? And uh, we have Las Vegas hospitality workers overwhelmingly permit union to call strike against hotels and casinos. And that was according to the Associated Press. Yeah. Here's one for you from Reuters this year. An overwhelming 99.47% of flight attendants represented by the labor union voted to authorize a strike. And folks, this is all around benefits, you know, pensions. It's all those guarantees that you hear us talk a lot about on this show. I think we have one more, Mitchell, for you to share. Yep. Speaking of strikes, the Portland Association of Teachers uh, will strike starting on November 1st unless an agreement with school districts have been reached before then. And that is according to ABC News. So, so people are fed up. Yep. And and folks, the, the point we want to kind of make here is, you know, pensions are, are dying. And the, the only two big branches that we see or sectors that we see pensions coming from these days are teachers, somebody in the education system, there's some pensions typically, and then those that serve our great country in the military, uh, there's pensions there. But for most other people, uh, it's been made very, very clear that the responsibility of your income and your assets in retirement are coming from you um, with your employer, hopefully giving some kind of a match into the retirement plan, be it a 401k, a 403b, um, you know, whatever the plan is. So, those, those days of pensions, uh, pretty much behind us, less than 14% of full-time workers today, I think was the last statistic I saw that have some type of a company employer funded pension plan. And the reason so many people today are revolting and, and wanting these things back is they want that peace of mind of having a guaranteed income for the rest of their life. And that brings us into we were talking about this last week. So if you want to pick up last week's show, just go to one of our podcasts, um, download last week's show, or you can go to our YouTube channel and listen to it to get caught up. But I promise to bring a specific example for those of you who say, you know, Social Security, um, it's not enough. I want more income in retirement and I want more of it guaranteed. Um, folks, I want to tell you that before I get to this example, I had a person I think I thought of about a month ago that came to our office and somewhat apologetically said, you know, I should have done a little better job 
of saving. They were in this retirement red zone that we're going to talk about on today's show as well, uh, which is being a few years away from hanging it up completely and fully retiring. And kind of sheepishly, they said, you know, I didn't really save probably what I should have saved, but, you know, I'm just wanting to know if I'm going to be okay. And as I went through their assets, then we got to their income. This person had a couple different pensions that amounted to uh, a, a pretty good sum of money to the tune that I, I looked at them and I said, you don't need to be given any apologies. I said, what you have here with, with two pensions, and it was pretty close to six figures that this household was going to be getting in guaranteed income from these two pension streams. And this was in addition to social security. I said, what you have here is the equivalent of about two and a half million dollars of money saved in your portfolio. Because if I just applied the 4% rule, which just states if you take 4%, no more than that out of your savings, if you have a moderately you know, diversified portfolio invested, uh, statistics and these things called Monte Carlo simulations basically tell us that you won't statistically run out of money as long as you're not doing anything too crazy in that portfolio. That's what this person had is about $2.5 million on top of the statements that they brought in that they did have. And when I pointed that out to them, you could see a light bulb go on in their head and they were like, huh, I guess I never really thought of it that way. And I said, yeah, for me to have that income with just those pensions, I need two and a half million dollars saved in retirement. And that's just a simple rule of, of thumb, folks. If you're wondering, hey, you know, we, we always talk about reverse engineering, uh, you know, the amount of money if you still have years ahead of you to save in retirement and you say to yourself, hey, I want to have in today's dollars, I want to have, let's say, throwing a number out there, 80,000 of uh, income and I want to have that income guaranteed. Well, we can figure out how much of that is going to come from Social Security, but then we have to look at what kind of money do we need if we have no other you know, pensions or guaranteed income sources, how much do we need to have at that retirement age to generate the additional amount needed to get to that $80,000. And the way that we do that is we just, you know, reverse engineer that, find the number that's going to produce that 4%. And that's the amount that people need. Okay. But if you have those pensions or a guarantee, like I'm going to show you right here, this is just one example. We're not prescribing something here for every listener who's listening to this. This would be for the listener right now who says, you know what, Dwight, you're speaking my language right now. I'm listening to what you're saying. How do I get guarantees with my income and still maintain some control over the money that's producing that, you know, where I don't have to worry about losing that paycheck that I want to get in addition to that? Well, here's an example of a product from Nationwide, the Nationwide that you all know. Um, this is the fixed indexed annuity, which is money that's not at risk or exposed in the market. This is a principal protected instrument that's used. And the way this product, uh, and again, nationwide, this is an, you know, A plus by three major credit agencies. This is Moody's, S&P, um, and Triple B. Uh, nationwide Peak 10 offers currently a 20% bonus on the amount that you invest. So for example, you invest $300,000, uh, your account value would start at $360,000, okay? The nationwide Peak 10 also has what's called a 10, or an 8%, I'm sorry, an 8% interest roll up every year that you defer taking that lifetime income. So let's just say you you know you want to wait three years before income is going to start from this uh, instrument. 
what happens is every year you defer, there's an additional 8% that's being added to that account value that's going to produce your income. And then um, what happens is in that, let's say that third year, I'm just using that as an example because you get to determine when you turn that income stream on. So the longer you defer it, the bigger the payment's going to be, okay? And there's there's certain factors in here. You can reach out to us if you want to get an illustration on this product because we can predict, and this is what a lot of people like, we can predict a worst case scenario for anyone that's looking at income. We can tell them with certainty what their in- income would be if they take it right away, what they what it would be in three years, what it would be in six years, what it would be in 10 years. There's predictability with this product because there's a guarantee to that pension stream of income. And a lot of people are wondering, well, when I do that, I'm giving up control of that money. And if I take a payment, for example, what happens if I die and I take you know six months of payments and there's all this big bucket of money there? Well, the good news is that lump sum of money is going to transfer to your beneficiaries. It's not like the pensions that many of you who, who have pensions that might be listening, when you pick a pension option for a lot of companies, you pick that uh, option. If you don't have a survivor benefit on there, like your spouse gets 100% or two-thirds, your payment might be a little lower depending on what option you have. But there is no lump sum that's transferring in many of those situations to a beneficiary. With the nationwide indexed product, that lump sum upon your death, if there's death benefit, it's going to transfer to your heirs. And that's what a lot of people like about this product is they're getting safety of their principal, they're getting guaranteed lifetime income, and they've got a lump sum. If there's balance remaining, depending on how long they live, that lump sum balance is going to a beneficiary. So if you have an option, let's say you're listening and you have a pension or something you know, from your employer and you're in that red zone and you're going to elect an option with that employer, be sure before you do that, you reach out to someone like us and we'll be happy to run numbers and we can get you an illustration and let you see the exact number that you'll be looking at. And folks, I'm going to tell you, having done this for three decades, that the people who come into our office that have these types of arrangements with a piece of their portfolio. And folks, this is not the right thing to do with 100% of your money. I'm going to tell you that right now. There's there's appropriate percentages that you need to use. Um, we need to be diligent with that. We need to be suitable with that. That's something that we would need to discuss with you as far as the, the percentage of your total investable assets. And that's why we're not prescribing this for everybody. We're not prescribing the amount. We're just using that as an example um, you know, in this segment. But if you're facing a pension decision, make sure you get a quote from us to see if there's a higher payout because here's what could end up happening. We had this happen just recently. I had a, actually a, a friend come into the office and we were looking at something from their employer, the exact same thing I'm addressing. His payment per month, he's single, he's not married. What his payment was going to be was going to be less than 5% a month less through an option that we ran for him. But here's why he made the decision to go with it. Because in the option that he was going to get through his employer, the option he elected when he dies, he could take one payment and the lump sum that funded that pension, it's wiped out and it's gone. With our option, the lump sum balance, the full amount of it after that one payment was there, was going to transfer to his beneficiary. 
and he had a um, you know a niece and a cousin that he wanted to leave that to, and that was the deciding factor. He said, "Well, I don't want to take this; it's just five percent more money. I want to be able to control that lump sum and leave a legacy." So he wanted to do a little bit of estate planning with that, and make sure somebody else had that money uh, when he started this, and he's starting this in his seventies when he starts it. So reach out to us; um, we'd be glad to go over this uh, with you. Uh, and just keep in mind, there's growth in this account as well based on uh, external indexes. So you can link your growth to indexes like the S&P 500. Um, and, and the worst that can happen is if the market goes down, your principal, which is the money you're going to leave to a beneficiary ultimately with this contract, that money is protected in a down in a downward market. So we'll get you an illustration. We'll spell it out for you a little bit more than that. But I promise to give you all kind of a highlight on that. And it just ties in with kind of what we've been talking about so far in this segment, which is the guarantees and, uh, you know, just the peace of mind that people have that goes with that. So uh, what it's like to work with us, um, hey, reach out to us. Uh, we'll run some comparative analysis. We'll look at your existing portfolio um, and see, hey, is there is there a better way to harvest income out of this portfolio? You have to look at things like the tax implications. You may have a lot of money saved up and you're in an IRA account uh, that's going to be taxed, uh, do you have a tax-efficient strategy in place? Those are some of the things that we work with with all of our clients. And if you're at a point right now where you're getting ready to say, okay, I'm getting ready to pull the trigger and decumulate um, and start taking income, what's the best bucket to pull it from? What's the best instrument to use for my income? We'll lay out all the options. We're not going to put you in a product and say, this is the way that you do it. We're going to present you with multiple different options and you'll see the right one that makes sense for you. Okay. Our job is to educate, not to make decisions for you. So reach out to us. Uh, our phone number, if you're listening in the Western part of the state is 828-278-7814. If you're in the Moore County area, we're at 910-235-0812. And you can always reach out to us, uh, through our uh, web address at retire360show.com. That's retire360show.com. And you can book a complimentary meeting with us. And we'll look forward to answering your questions and seeing what would work best for your situation, particularly if you're in that um, retirement red zone and looking for how am I going to get more guaranteed income. So let's take a break. And when we come back, um, we'll continue our show. We'll be right back. At 360 Capital Management, we know you've worked hard to earn your money, and you've worked even harder to save it. When it comes to wealth management and planning for retirement, Dwight Mejan is passionate about helping people protect and grow their wealth. Visit Retire360Show.com to schedule your free consultation today. It's a $1,500 value provided at no cost to you. Book yours now at Retire360Show.com. You guys are listening to the Retire 360 Show brought to you by 360 Capital Management here in downtown Southern Pines and in Banner Elk, North Carolina. Next, we're going to hop into a segment on required minimum distributions. Uh, as you guys know, the uh, deadline is coming up quick and uh, our listeners know by now that the SECURE Act had updated the age from 72 to 73. So if you turned... Uh, 73 this year, you are required to take uh, your required minimum distributions. 
Uh, they had changed that age quite a few times, but the current age is 23. And Dwight, I'll turn the question to you. When are these required minimum distributions due by? Yeah, good question, Mitchell. If you're uh, turning 73 this calendar year in 2023, uh, the IRS is giving you a little bit more of a, a window to prepare for that, for that first distribution. Uh, you actually have uh, in, until into March uh, to make that, actually, actually April 1st to be technical, you have until April 1 of the following year to take your first RMD. That's only if it's your first time and then you can pay the taxes on it. There's a a caution that we put out there uh, in doing so is that you'll have to take another one by the end of that same year next year. So if you were turning 73 this year as an example and you decide, hey, I'm going to wait until April 1st and throw it into another tax year, um, you may not be doing yourself a favor because you're going to have to take the second one out by December 31st of 2024. So essentially you'll have two in the same year. Now, depending on what your income is, depending on other things that could be happening on your tax return, let's say next year you sell a house uh, or a second property that you have and you did that, um, the, the problem there becomes you're adding more taxable income and a capital gain on top of that. And then you could be thrown into higher Medicare premiums. So we always say it's best to do that in the year that it's due. That's that's a simple formula. I would say that's the best. I don't want to say it's 100%. I always leave room for an exception for somebody. But I would say in at least 90% of the cases, it's it's wise to take that first distribution in the year you turn 73 and then just pick it up every year thereafter. We like to set them up for clients who've been doing it regularly uh, sometime in the month of November, certainly by December 1st. Because if you miss that, if you miss that all important RMD in the year that it's due, it's a very stiff penalty in the tax code. Uh, in fact, last year it was the stiffest penalty in the Internal Revenue Code. It was 50%. They've made some adjustments on that to make it a little bit more friendly, which we're glad to see. But still, it, there are penalties if you fail to do it. Uh, had somebody in my office this past week, uh, they showed me the letter. Uh, it was a well-known broker-dealer firm. I'm not going to bash or disparage any uh, broker-dealer. I don't know the details behind it, but they had an apology letter from this large broker-dealer that their RMD didn't get processed until the 10th of January. Uh, and they showed me the letter and they said they're trying to rectify it with the IRS. Uh, they were owning the mistake, but at the end of the day, the burden of responsibility is on the individual, not on the company. Uh, it's the company's responsibility to notify people in writing the first year that they're required to do it. But at the end of the day, folks, you, the listener, it is your responsibility to be compliant and get that RMD out. And that is something that I know we do here. We're heading into that here into November now. And this is the time of year where we are doing not just required minimum distributions, but we're doing uh, tax loss harvesting um, for clients, which is, you know, just ways to to take money that's out of highly appreciated assets, taking some assets that are at a loss, and maybe somebody is too heavy in one specific sector uh, in their portfolio, and if they have losses that they could, uh, you know, write off against some of those gains, it allows opportunities to reinvest that portfolio. So I know that's something that we are vigilant about doing along with Roth conversions. And I think if we have time, Mitchell, are we going to, we have a segment coming up, we're going to talk about that uh, Roth conversions. Is that right? Yep. Okay. So we'll get to that. I'll, I won't go there, but that's, that's really, you know, 
when I see the the fourth quarter coming into play, that's what I start thinking about: tax loss harvesting, RMDs, and Roth conversions. Those are things that just we put on a cycle with our clients. So, Dwight, just real briefly, because I know a lot of our listeners and uh, we have people that always ask during our classes, what does a Roth conversion look like practically? How does somebody get that done on the broker side? And what does that look like for their taxes? Yeah, good good question. Uh, we always want to distinguish the difference between a conversion and a contribution. So a, a contribution is simply you have to have earned income to qualify to contribute to a Roth account. We won't get into it, but there's there's phase outs and then there's points where you can't contribute anymore if you have, you know, higher incomes. But uh, we're talking specifically here, Mitchell's asking the question about a conversion. A conversion is simply moving money out of a tax deferred account, like a traditional IRA and moving it and opening, if you don't have one, a Roth account. And folks, there are no restrictions on that in terms of age or the amount that you're limited in doing. And you might be wondering if this is kind of new language for you. What, you know, why would I do a conversion? What's the benefit of me moving money out of that tax deferred account and paying you know, a large tax bill on that right now? Well, the percentage of what you're going to pay is going to be dependent on other factors. Uh, like the year in which you consider doing it, it's going to be dependent on all of your ordinary income. Ordinary income could be wages, could be distributions from the IRA account, which includes the possible conversion. It could be uh, interest, could be dividend income, all of that. The other thing that complicates that is you know, capital gains. If you sell things or your portfolio has transactions in it that create capital gains, you sell a rental property in that year. This isn't something, folks, if you're listening, you want to just do blindly, okay? If you're seeking uh, a lower tax rate in retirement and the possibility of paying lower lifetime taxes over your estimated life expectancy in retirement, Roth conversion strategies can make a lot of sense. And here's the other reason they make sense, Mitchell, so our listeners understand this. Tax rates, most people would raise their hand to the question, do you think tax rates are going to be higher in the future? And they certainly are going to be higher by most people's accounts. We just don't know when those changes are coming and we don't know what those new changes are going to look like. All right. But certainly if you're in that that middle range of the tax sector, somewhere in that 22, 24%, those are the brackets that tend to change a lot. And I'll share something we share in a lot of our classes. If you go back to the 60s when Kennedy was in office, President Kennedy, what today is the 24% bracket for many of you listening to this in that era that same tax bracket if you were 20, if you're 24% today was 56% in that era so imagine taking money or worse yet being forced into taking money out which is the required minimum distribution and having to take larger sums out and you have no tax control of how to take that money out you're just subject to the internal revenue code that is what we believe the IRS knows is coming. They know what's in those buckets. They know everybody listening to this show right now, they know exactly how much money for each listener that's in the sound of my voice, how much is in those tax deferred buckets. And they know the trend for most people is we're going to wait to pull money out of this bucket until it's forced upon us. So when they want to change the tax code, which I'm sure is likely going to happen, like most of our listeners would agree, 
the the theory here and and the practice is let's get money set up now in these lower rates that we're paying and convert the money over. The taxes could come out on the conversion. And here's the cool thing, folks. Your investment strategy isn't changing. If you own Apple stock and you're going to move Apple stock into a Roth account, you'll still own Apple stock. You'll still own it for the same price. You're just going to pay the, the ordinary income on all of the amount that you move. But now your Apple stock is sitting in a Roth account and it's going to continue from that point forward through the growth and or dividends. All of that growth and income moving forward from that point will be tax-free. And when you pass away, your kids and the beneficiary of that account could, has to pull that out over 10 years, but all of the gains in that, con- in that account are going to be tax-free to the heirs. So, and, and it's an important reason. A lot, of, a lot of our clients do it because their kids are in good earning years. You know, when they're working, uh, maybe they got a spouse, one of their, their daughter-in-law or son-in-law is working, and a lot of their kids are at the highest tax rates. They might be in the 35 or 37% federal rate. Parents might be in the 12% bracket. So our suggestion to our clients is, let's say you're on the low end of 12%. You're down there at the at the bottom of the twelve percent bracket. You might have room of thirty, forty thousand dollars left to still be in that twelve percent. Pay the tax on it. If it's if it's important to you to leave a legacy and you want to do some estate planning, and you're somebody listening here that has a lot of money built up in these tax deferred accounts, we advise clients and we show them on a tax map. We'll run a tax map for you. That's free to our listeners. You call us and say, hey, I want that tax map, and I want to see some strategies of what I can do like what you were talking about on the, on the radio program today of how can I move that money over and get it into a bucket tax-free and pay those taxes on it now at 12%. So if I pass away, my kids aren't paying the tax on that account at 37%. I know something else you talk uh, a lot about is the red zone, the retirement red zone. And I think you mentioned it a little earlier on this show. Uh, can you just specify what do you mean when you say retirement red zone? Yeah, we use that term a lot for maybe some of our newer listeners, uh, if I haven't defined this in a while. That's basically people who are in a critical period in, within retirement, five years away from anticipated retirement, or if you've retired within the last five years. That's what we call the retirement red zone. And we call it a red zone um, you know, just because you know it's very critical what happens to your portfolio inside of these years. Many people haven't adjusted the way their portfolio is allocated and they're retiring and they have too much exposed to risk and they need to make some adjustments in their asset allocation. So um, you've got a special need to protect your hard-earned retirement savings if you're in this red zone as you shift into that decumulation phase, which is either where you know you may not need income, but you don't need to be taking unnecessary risk with the portfolio because your, your, your years of working to make up those losses are, uh, you know, are, are kind of behind you there. So, um, you know, we say portfolio losses that occur within this 10-year window, they're going to have a significant impact on your future lifestyle and retirement. This is because you stand to lose more than you ever did during your working years during that accumulation phase. So the other thing I want to just mention to the listeners, uh, Mitchell, is that, you know, losses uh, get masked today. Uh, and, and I wish this is one of those things I wish we'd see the SEC and, and Wall Street change. Most of our listeners don't read their mutual fund prospectuses or you know investment returns. 
to, to look at what their average is. I always ask people when we run an analysis, I'll just say to them, what do you think your portfolio's average rate of return has been over the last 10 years? And they'll give me a number and then we'll show it to them. And sometimes they're surprised by, you know, the difference in what they guessed and what it's actually doing. But one thing I always like our listeners to know is average rate of return doesn't matter to Dwight as much as real rate of return. And I'm going to introduce an example to that. Let's just say you simply have $100,000 in an account and today uh, and today you've got a hundred grand and a year from now that market's down 10% and you're invested just like the market is. How much do you have left in there, Mitchell, in that hundred thousand dollar account? hundred thousand down 10%. So you've got 90,000. You passed. If you said what Mitchell said, you, you passed as well. You got 90 grand. So let's just suppose that the following year we have a 10% gain. So what's the value of your 90,000 at the end of year two? I would then have $99,000. You'd have 99000 So here's my question to the listeners. Mitchell knows the answer to this, but I'll ask the listeners, what is the average rate of return over that two-year period of time? You lost 10% and then you made 10%. Well, most people would say the average rate of return is zero, right? You take the total, divide it by two, you're, you're, you're net zero. My question is, where did the $1,000 go? If you average 0%, you started with 100, why do you have 99,000 left if your average return is zero for two years? That's because, folks, there's a difference between the real rate of return and the average rate of return. That average rate of return has to do, as soon as you introduce a, a loss into a period of time that you're measuring averages, you are going to get skewed results and your money, the actual money in your hand is not going to line up with that average. I want to share this chart um, because I think it's pretty relevant for what you're talking about. Uh, we share this uh, a lot during some of our classes and what it is, is gains needed to recover from certain losses. So for example, if your portfolio went down 30%, how much of a gain do you need to get back to where you were? So 30%, you would need a 43% gain to get back to where you were. If your portfolio lost 40%, you would need a 67% gain. And if by some chance we had another 08 or some other catastrophic event and you had a 50% loss in your portfolio, you would need a 100% gain just to be back to where you were. So just talking about, you know, as you're approaching retirement and how long do you have to uh, quote unquote wait it out, you have to consider factors like that because uh, you, you may not have the amount of time that you think you have and uh, your money might not last you as long as you thought. Yeah, you, you're right on the money, Mitchell. And I hope our listeners heard what you said there. Those are very relevant stats. I appreciate you sharing those with our listeners. Folks, it's just really critical, this retirement red zone, that you make sure your portfolio matches your risk tolerance because imagine going out, you know, that's what I don't like about these, some of these prospectuses when they're showing us average rate of return. Imagine having 10 years that's being measured and you had of those 10 years, you had a 20% drop, an 8% drop and a 12% drop. When you factor those three negative down years into those 10 years and come up with your average, you can't start with a hundred thousand and get it, where your money is going to equal that same amount because those years where you had those losses, that's not measuring the real rate of return. 
what Dwight cares about with my portfolio and what I ultimately care about for my clients isn't the average rate of return, it's the real rate of return on my money, okay? And what you're being shown by prospectuses and a lot of people that don't mean ill will to you when they're showing this, I just want our listeners to be aware that average rate of return is different than real rate of return. At the end of the day, it's your money. That's what you want to hang on to, right? You want to you want to make money uh, on your money, but you don't want to do it at the expense of giving it up. So just be careful with that. And if you're in that retirement red zone, you haven't had um, you know a risk assessment to your to your goals, and then looking at your portfolio. That is one of the things that we'll give you as well when we run a tax map for you. Just by being a listener to this show. That normally, if somebody just comes in off the street to me and says, hey, what would it cost me to just do a financial plan where you run your tax map, do a portfolio allocation strategy for me and map out a financial plan, we're 599 bucks when we do that. And you don't hear me, folks, if you've been listening any length of time, we don't talk about the fees that we charge. That's just not a big part of the show. So I guess I'm saying that for a reason because some people might be listening and going, what's that going to cost me? You just have to make sure that you say, I'm a listener to your radio show. And when you do that, we will run that for you. Um, I will spend one meeting with you beyond that meeting. There might be a charge. Okay. And I'll be upfront to tell you if we meet again, here's the cost for that. But to get that and to have me go over it with you, um, I've carved out a little time for people knowing that we'll get some calls from it. I'll be happy to do that. Um, I'm not saying it'll be here next time I get on the air, but that's, that's what we're willing to do for our listeners. Uh, if you call in, just mention you're a listener of the show. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. But if you have a question on anything we just talked about in this segment and you'd like to talk to me personally, uh, my number is 910-235-0812. Or you can reach Mitchell or myself if you're in the mountains at 828-278-7814 or go to retire360show.com. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and finish today's show. Are you interested in protecting your assets from market volatility, rising taxes, and economic uncertainty? Then tune in to Retire 360 with Dwight Mejan to learn how you can protect and grow your hard-earned money. Retire 360, Sundays at 3 p.m. right here on Talk 97.3 FM, 104.1 FM, and 990 AM WEEB. Protect your hard-earned money today at Retire360Show.com. We are back and you guys are listening to the Retire 360 show brought to you by 360 Capital Management. Uh, next, we're going to hop into our segment on target date funds. Uh, we have a lot of listeners and clients that uh, come to us initially and have these target date funds in mind. And they think that is a good solution for when they are going to retire. They have a certain time period in mind. Uh, Dwight, I would like if you could just explain what is a target date fund and why would somebody use them as a retirement strategy? Yeah, great question, Mitchell. People are wondering, they see them sometimes on their 401k. I call it the menu of options that uh, our listeners have to choose from. But just a quick little small history lesson, kind of a history geek here. But you know, ever since Congress enacted the Internal Revenue Code section 401k, and, and they did this in 1978, uh, as we've been talking about on today's show, pensions have been offered less and less in the American workplace. So the implementation of 401k plans really marked a major shift of responsibility from retirement planning from the employer taking care of the employee going to the employee. 
You know, my dad, he drove a truck for Pepsi-Cola for 36 years and he was fortunate. You know, he had a high school education, but he had a pension that my mom, my dad's passed on, but my mom is still drawing two thirds of his pension. He took a two thirds option uh, pension. But back in his day, it was common. You could have worked for a bank, you know, in, in teller operations. Uh, there's been people who've had pensions, maybe not large, but they've had pensions nonetheless. But today the shift is putting people into 401k. So where do you find these target date funds and what are they? Well, they're sitting as an election inside of a 401k plan. And why did they come about? Well, a lot of people aren't comfortable picking, you know, what, the, what is this large cap fund or what percentage do I put in this international stock or this mid cap or, you know, this bond or this international bond. So they just, they wanted to make something a little bit more simple to people that kind of like the, what I call the set it and forget it. And that's the worst thing you can do is I hope you're going to find out from this segment. You don't want to set it and you don't want to forget it. In fact, I would advocate for you don't set it to begin with. Uh, target date funds, as you're going to learn here, and if you're driving and you're in one of these, I don't mean to make you late, but you need to give it five more minutes here, okay, folks? Because if you're in this, we're going to tell you the the dark side of target date funds and why, if you're in them last year, why you lost a lot of money. But with most employees, as I just said, having no experience in matters of investing, many have gravitated to these target date funds. Uh, which stick out among the multitude of investment options inside your work-based plans. But we don't want the listeners here to be fooled into thinking these funds are right for you just because you're planning to retire at a certain age. And that's the whole purpose of these funds. So let me explain it to you. Let's say that your target date for retirement is 2035. Okay, You're roughly 12, 13 years or so from now the goal of this fund is to make it simple for people to say, hey, that's my target date. And the fund itself is going to pick the stocks percentage, not just the, the, the holdings, but we're going to pick the percentage that should be in equities versus how much should be in fixed income in bonds. So if you're in a 2035 fund, you're going to have more equity positions in there than someone who's in a 2025 fund. Because someone who's in 2025 is set to retire in the next one to two years, they can't have a lot of exposure to the equity side of a portfolio. There's more risk there. So there's naturally more of a tendency, and not to use a technical term here, but there's something called a glide path. And the glide path is this natural progression of money being moved, not by you, inside the target date fund. And believe it or not, guess what's making that move? It's a computer algorithm. It's a program that's looking at your date and at certain points along the way, it's sliding through this glide path. More and more money is moving out of equities and moving a heavier percentage into the bond side of a portfolio. So just imagine last year, your target date fund was 2022. What happened to bonds in 2022? It was one of the worst years on record that we had for, it was the worst, I should say, for the bond market. And if you owned a 2022 target date fund, I got Sam coming up here because his team did some research on uh, some of the returns here. I'm going to bring Sam on in just a minute, but uh, he'll go over this with you. But more and more of the portfolio was sitting in bonds. And as the feds advertised, we're going to raise rates. What they do 11 times last year, they raised interest rates. They basically were advertising, if you're in bonds, 
we're about to clobber your bond portfolio because as interest rates rose, the value of the bond portfolio had an inverse relationship and those went down. So target date funds were one of the worst things to be in. We can't stand target date funds. And this is, I'm emphatic because you don't hear me if you listen to the show a lot, talk about these. But if you're in one of them, you need to get consultation and get out of them. You'll know how to reach us here. But I'm going to bring Sam in. Sam, share with our listeners what you did a little research on on this. I thought this was fascinating. Yeah. So we wanted to get a good baseline to be as fair as possible to the target date funds. Because I agree with you, Dwight. This is a uh, a poor excuse for an investment decision and, and retirement plan, in my opinion. And so we're looking at the same issuer, different target date funds every five years from 2025 to 2050, and simply looking at how each of those funds performed over the last five years. And it's really concerning, Dwight, because we were just talking about the retirement red zone and how important it is to protect your principal, protect the savings you do have as you're nearing retirement. The 2025 fund, which is the fund that we measured with the earliest target date, is down 6.1% over the last five years. It actually performed the worst of any target fund that we measured. The 2030 fund is down 2.5% over the last five years. The 2035 target date fund is down 1.8%. It wasn't until we got to the 2040 fund that we started to see a positive return, albeit a small one. The 2040 fund had a 0.26% return over the last five years. And listeners to to this show here know that we talk a lot about inflation and a 0.26% return over five years. That is a that is a melting ice cube investment because you're not keeping up with the rate of inflation at all. And on on up here, you know, the 2045 fund had a seven and a half percent return, and the 2050 target fund with a target date way out in the future, a 10.9 percent return over the last five years. So it was really upside down. If you're using one of these and you've got it in your head that this is going to help prepare you for retirement as you get closer, be cautious because the use of bonds in these funds has really led to some negative performance. And just as a Another baseline comparison, I call the S&P 500 kind of the thermometer of, of the equity markets. The S&P 500 had a 52.4% return over the last five years. So even that fund or that uh, index alone, the S&P 500, which it would be considered fairly risky to be investing in just that fund, had a much greater return compared to any of the target dates. So really concerning. Mm. Well, Sam, thanks for sharing that. I think just to as we're getting near the end of the show, I'm going to have Mitchell Sam I real quickly. We've got about seven, eight other things we want to let you know about real quickly about the dark side of these target date funds. Mitchell, why don't you share with our listeners the first one real quick and we'll get through these. Yep. So number one, lack of customization. So these target funds are designed to be a one size fits all, which means they're likely to not align perfectly with an individual specific uh, financial goals, their risk tolerance and their needs. Okay. And I would say that the next one here, folks, we're going to give you these rapid fire uh, fees. Target date funds often have really high maintenance fees, which can erode returns over time, especially if you're a long-term investor. Sam, what's the third one we came up with here to be cautious of? Yeah, Dwight, beyond fees, there's other hidden costs because some target date funds sometimes invest in other funds, leading to layers of fees, bad expense ratios. And this can make it challenging to understand what you're actually paying for your investment in that fund. Yeah. Yep. Good. 
Good stuff. And then next, I just follow that with your risk tolerance may not match. So the level of risk taken by a target date fund uh, will not align with every investor's actual risk tolerance. For some, this could result in over being overly conservative, or for others, you could be overly aggressive. We see that all too often with people that have maybe more risk and they're sitting in a fund that's got them, you know, way too conservative and the, the, the opposite is true. So yeah, the next one here was uh, limited investment control. Investors have limited control over the fund's asset allocation. It's typically set by the fund manager. And this additional lack of control can be frustrating for people who desire more hands-on approach to managing their investments. And we got three more here, Sam, what's the next one? Yeah, we mentioned you are running a risk of being a bit too conservative because as that target date approaches, the funds are going to have to start using more bonds and guaranteed income solutions to meet that target date, which may not be ideal for a retiree who needs to maintain those savings and even grow it. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And then I would add uh, market timing risk. So target date funds may rebalance and adjust their asset allocation at specific intervals which can expose investors to market timing risk if these adjustments do not align with market conditions. So uh, an example, they could be switching uh, positions in a time where they really should be keeping it put or vice versa. Yep. And and the last thing we came up with for our listeners here, you know, unpredictable returns, the performance of target date funds can vary widely depending on the fund manager's decisions and the underlying assets. Some funds may underperform their benchmarks. So Folks, the point here, let us do an x-ray, an MRI of your situation uh, to see what other options you have. Many of you can possibly, if you're over 59 and a half, can do an in-service distribution, get that money out of there and get it into an IRA account, even though you're still working. So that's the point. Contact us. Mitchell's going to give you a, uh, give you our contact information. Wrapping up today's show, Mitchell, just give them that date one more time and, and close it off with our listeners, giving them our contact information. We'll look forward to seeing them next week. Yep. So our next class is going to be um, at the uh, Appalachian State University there in Boone, North Carolina. If you guys are interested in joining us to learn about taxes and retirement, we'll briefly touch on Social Security and uh, also Medicare. But uh, if you're interested in that, that will be on November 27th, and we will have a 10 o'clock class and a 1 p.m. class. If you are interested in that, uh, give us a call for details and we can save you a spot. The phone number to reach us at is 828-278-7814. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will be back next week. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to Retire 360. You deserve to work with an experienced and licensed expert who will strategically work to protect and grow your hard-earned assets. To schedule your free, no-obligation consultation with Dwight, visit retire360show.com or pick up the phone and call 910-235-0812. That's 910-235-0812. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and 360 Capital Management are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Investments involve risk, and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed, past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Fixed annuities, including multi-year guaranteed rate annuities, are not designed for short-term investments and may be subject to restrictions, fees, and surrender charges, as described in the annuity contract. 
Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuer. Any bonuses mentioned may be subject to additional restrictions and regulations based on the offering annuity company. You may not receive the bonus if the contract is fully surrendered or if traditional annuitization payments are taken, and if the policy is partially surrendered, it could result in a partial loss of bonuses. Because these are bonus annuities, they may include higher surrender charges, longer surrender charge periods, lower caps, higher spreads, and other restrictions that are not included in similar annuities that don't offer a bonus feature.